Good morning, my people. You've got to wake up, please. Why? Because I'm making fajitas. Today, of course, is National Fajita Day. National Fajita Day. Oh, fajitas. I do like fajitas. Celebrate National Fajita Day. Fajitas, be careful. Very hot plate. Very hot. Fajitas are served. Come on. It's showtime. My name's Hartzell, and this right here, it's your KC Mo. Word, Kansas City. A happy Thursday to the KC Morning Hoes. I'm going to get right to it. On the show today, Janae Manley back on your KC Morning Show. She is a leader with the KC Tenants. An ordinance was proposed in committee yesterday. It's an affordable housing ordinance proposed by Mary Q. And by affordable housing, I got the biggest, the biggest of air quotes. And after that, we keep kicking it with the KC Tenants, courtesy of our friends from Democracy now and Amy Goodman. She interviewed Tara Ragavir. She is the director of KC Tenants. I got a chance to meet her this week. She is a treasure. Everybody at KC Tenants, just good folks. And this interview with Democracy Now, that's so huge. I mean, that's a lot of eyes. It was also a fantastic interview. So we're going to play it back. I hope I don't get in trouble. Don't tell nobody. Actually, yes, tell everybody. Spread the word. Another one of those important shows. We got to house the people. It's that simple, my friends. It is honestly that simple. Rate, review, subscribe, do that thing you do, Kansas City. Back in your feeds tomorrow, my name's Hartzell. A good day to be a Kansas Cityan. And that's because of you, Kansas City. Don't get it twisted. It ain't because of any kind of building, any kind of artificial number to make the brochures look nice. No, 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 no. It is because of you, Kansas City. That is why. We'll see you in the morning. Bye. If there's one thing that I found is as true as the sunrise it's that i like being on there with hot the casey morning show so we have continued to see council introduce resolutions and ordinances wednesday mayor quentin lucas outlining several proposals to get his goal of 10,000 new affordable housing units in kansas city by 2027 he says not just on the east side of town we need affordable housing in the northland we need affordable housing in south kansas city we need it all around the city the mayor looking to streamline the city's tax incentive process taking city council out of a lot of decision making on those incentives critics have said that could take away chances for people to object there will be public comment and a hearing for every incentive to be approved it is a lie for people who are saying there's no public hearing. Someone's lying and it's not us. Caleb Edwards with the group Casey Tenets came along with others to speak against the proposal. <laughs> Members of that group disrupted the mayor's appearance at Starlight Tuesday night. They showed up in force Wednesday saying the city's definition of affordable is priced too high. Apartments that could be priced in newly incentivized developments at $1,200 to $1,300 a month, something Casey Tennant says can be as much as a mortgage. Exactly. And like they have bedrooms. Like this is, we're talking about a one bedroom apartment. Like that is not affordable.
Back on your KC Morning Show, Janae Manley. She is a leader with KC Tenants. You have been busy, not just the last couple days, last couple weeks. You've been busy for the last couple years, my friend. And we are so appreciative of all the work you've been doing, all the work the team has done. I finally got a chance to meet you in person, and it was a treat. Just goosebumps. I loved it. The rent is too damn high. Tell me the why. The rent is too damn high. Tell me about it. I'm going to tell you about it, but first, thank you for having me on. It's been about a year, and I was so excited to meet you the other day. I was shook. Okay, so yeah, the rent is too damn high. We know the rent is too damn high. The rent has been too damn high, and guess what? They're trying to make it higher. That's where we are right now. The mayor came in with some ordinances trying to redefine affordable rent in Kansas City, and let me let you in on a little secret. He did not define it right. It is not affordable. The rent is still too damn high. Let's start there. So let's start with the context. We're recording this Wednesday night. You've had a full day at City Hall. We're going to get to that point eventually. What was it that the mayor and the council, what was this proposal that they were talking about here today in committee? Last Thursday, the mayor introduced four ordinances. Leaders within Casey Tenants, tenants in Kansas City as a whole, had an issue with two of those ordinances. So one of them was an ordinance that would standardize an incentive approval process, which is a really big word to say. If a developer wants public dollars from our city, they would not have to go through a public process in order to get them. That means tenants like me, tenants like you, tenants throughout Kansas City would not be able to have a say in how that money was spent or what those developers were doing. And that ain't right. And that is the opposite of a democratic process. The other ordinance that we were not okay with was this new definition of affordable. So the mayor put up another ordinance, 220-700, which would redefine affordability in Kansas City for a set-aside ordinance, which is a lot of words. So let me try to like break that down. Kansas City defines affordable with 13 counties, right? So 13 counties around Kansas City includes homeowners and renters. That is how the city has decided to define affordability. When you add all of that up, it is defined with $97,700 a year as the average income for a tenant in Kansas City. That does not make sense. If we just took tenants within Kansas City and looked for the average, it would be $38,383. So we went from $97,700 to $38,383. The city wants to use that $97,700 definition in order to define affordability, which would make a one-bedroom apartment $1,172. Developers would get our public dollars to create apartments at, quote, affordable at $1,172. Hartzell, can you afford an $1,100 apartment? No, no, I can't. I can't do that right now. I can't do that. And as a single mom of twins, I need at least three bedrooms, right? So like, make it make sense. Why are we giving public dollars to developers to make apartments that are unreachable to tenants in Kansas City? So where are they getting these numbers for that 97K, right? Mm -hmm. Where are they getting that? So the 97,000, they're using HUD definitions. Kansas City too takes 13 counties across the metropolitan area and then adds up the tenant and homeowner yearly incomes, $97,000 a year. What we know is that includes Johnson County. That includes Bates County. That includes Caldwell County, right? Like we're talking not Kansas City. We're talking one of the richest counties in the country. Johnson County is defining the affordability for Kansas City, Missouri. How is that right? 
especially now as we have all these things come to town. We have the NFL draft. We got a new airport. You've got the World Cup. Do they think it just looks better if we have a higher number? I'm just trying to figure out why they would want to use that higher number when anyone here on the ground would know that that is not the realistic number of affordable. Because developers define it. Because developers define what is good for their pockets and not good for the people. The developers who want to build in Kansas City for the NFL draft, for a downtown stadium, for the World Cup, they want to build in Kansas City, but for their profit and not for the people who live here. And what we know is that the Kansas City that makes Kansas City, the Kansas City that makes it a home, are the people who already live here. And when we're building for tourism, when we're building to make Kansas City look shiny and new instead of authentic to who we are, that's not for the people here. That's for the developers to make more money. So that is how we got here, Janae. If you don't mind, fill us in on what y'all been doing ever since word got out that this was going to be headed our way. We've been like blowing up the sirens, right? On social media, telling people what's going on, talking about affordability, telling people that 719 people have filled out our affordability survey and tenants in Kansas City have said that rents should be set between five and $600 a month. And that's what we can afford. And we're scared we're going to get pushed out. So that's what we've spent the last week doing. Since July, we've been collecting these surveys, but like we've been making sure that people across Kansas City know what this means and pushing for that definition of affordability. So yesterday, we realized that the mayor wasn't going to actually try to fight for tenants. What he was going to do was go about his day, feel good about giving developers money, right? Spend his time doing his thing. And then he was going to spend the night going to a play to play the Pope at Sister Act at Starlight. And we're like, what? This dude is actively pushing us out of our homes, pushing us out of our homes for developers' dollars. How is this okay? Do people at Starlight know that like our mayor wants to define affordable at $1,200 a month. Like the mayor is actively like harming our communities. A few leaders of KC tenants showed up at Starlight and we called it out. We chanted the rent is too damn high because guess what? The rent is too damn high. It just is. And we demanded that the mayor walk back his policy, walk it back. If I can jump in just real, real quick, real quick. In fact, I'm going to ask you a question. This is me jumping in. I'll jump in with a question instead. I was looking through the response on social media for folks who saw the direct action that you all took last night at Starlight. You know, I guess I'm just curious. What do you think good trouble is, Janae? I heard a lot of folks recently, a lot of folks talking about how much they want to make good trouble. But I saw those same folks saying how much they didn't really appreciate that you all ruined their good time last night. So I'm going to ask you, Janae, what would you define as good trouble? fighting for our lives. It's deciding that our lives are too important for us to just sit back and take it. People are complaining that we ruined their night at Starlight. Our lives are actively being ruined in this city. And if we're not fighting for ourselves, if we're not fighting for our children, no one's going to fight for us. So we have to continue to push. And I would actually encourage those people, go look at those surveys, go talk to a tenant, go ask your neighbor, go ask your niece, your nephew, your child. Can you afford $1,200 in rent? Because I can guarantee none of us can. We know that tenants in Kansas City are struggling to make the bills, living two and three deep to make the bills. People don't want their nights ruined. I'm trying to keep a roof over my head. Tenants in Kansas City are trying to stay in Kansas City. We're trying to live and die in Kansas City. And the policy that is being written today is ruining our lives, not our night, but our lives. So if you're not ready to make good trouble, you're going to look around and this city is going to be empty because tenants like us can't stay. What happened next? Tell us more. So we're on Wednesday and the mayor has still not walked back this policy. We call people. We're like, hey, the mayor's policy is coming through on Wednesday. They want to put it through. They're pushing it through. And we ask folks to show up at committee meetings. So neighborhood planning and development, which happens at 1.30 every Wednesday. We ask people to show up. 75 leaders showed up in 
yellow shirts to call out that the rent is too high. And those are the leaders that were able to take off work, that were able to get childcare, that were able to find rides in order to show up to committee. We also know that hundreds of tenants emailed city council members, committee members, and demanded that they take back these policies, that they define affordability at rates that would be affordable to a tenant at $38,000 a year as affordability. And that would be five to $600 a month. Tenants showed up, shut it down. We gave testimony. Our leaders sat from 1.30 in the afternoon till five o'clock in the afternoon to give testimony, to tell our stories about what it's been like to live in Kansas City as a tenant and what we're scared of. We're scared to be priced out of our neighborhoods. We're scared to lose our homes. And we are not going to let that happen without a fight. It's just not possible. Kansas City has been known to be, quote, affordable. That's what people always say, right? But if you talk to the tenants in Kansas City, we're like, no, no, it actually doesn't work for me. It's not possible in this city, right? I think we've talked about this before. My mom donated plasma to pay the bills. I, as a mom, have donated plasma to pay the bills. This is not new. Tenants in Kansas City have decided that enough is enough, that we have been told time and time again that we should be able to afford the rent. There's something wrong with us, right? But we look at this survey, we look at the average income of a tenant, and what we have realized is that, like, no, that was all gaslighting. The rent has not been affordable, and we deserve better. And to be honest, Hartzell, the mayor decided to give a couple sentences of why he decided this was right. It was like, well, you know, developers haven't built in 18 months, even though right before the set-aside ordinance went into place a year and a half ago, there were 30 applications that came through before the set-aside went into place so that they did not have to deal with that policy. They knew they could wait this out, and they did. And the mayor has bent to them and has decided that their building, their padding of pockets is more important than our lives gave a two-sentence spiel about why development is important in Kansas City. No developer showed up, and still, the committee passed it. Lee Barnes voted yes. Teresa Lohr voted yes. Dan Fowler voted yes and decided to pass that to full council tomorrow. What they're trying to say is that developers can't afford to build in Kansas City because they are in the business of making money. And if they want to make money in Kansas City, we have to make it possible for them to do that before we have to worry about people having housing right let's just be real that's what it's about it's about developers making money and i can give you a quote dan fowler today said hard cold facts developers are in the business to make money i don't begrudge them of that few of us would go to work if we didn't get paid and they are not going to make money if we keep doing what we're doing this is about developers making money Mayor Quentin Lucas wants to make sure that they make money in Kansas City, that they develop in Kansas City, even at the cost of a tenant's life, of a tenant's home. And that's not right. So what do we do tomorrow? I mean, so this tomorrow is, we shut it down. This is out of committee. That happened Wednesday night. Thursday, what do we do? Thursday, 3 p.m. at City Hall, Casey Tenant shows up and we shut it down. We don't have any other option. We can't keep living in a city that defines affordability based on what a developer wants and not what a tenant needs. So we're going to be showing up to City Hall. I hope to see you there. It's going to be at 3 o'clock Thursday, 26th floor. We're going to call this out. We're going to ask our city council members to actually show up for tenants to fight for the people who voted them in and say no to this, right? We voted them in in 2019. Are they actually going to show up for tenants? And what is the rush? You know, I'm even seeing some quotes from the mayor, who is a friend of mine. And he says that, you know, even he has some issues with portion of this. Well, I think if you've got any issues, that's worth having a few more conversations. I just don't understand why we need to do this right now. 
I mean, let's be real. It's election season. People are trying to get their donors to donate and the developers don't like that they can't make Kansas City their playground. They know the World Cup is coming. They know the NFL draft is coming, right? They don't like the idea that they can't do what they want in Kansas City and that tenants have actually decided to fight back. Thursday, 3 o'clock, so we're going to get loud, sound in the alarms, insert your analogy, the time is now, so what more can we do? How can we also support KC tenants, not just tomorrow, but going forward? Janae, the floor is yours. Preach and plug away. First off, you can start by coming on Thursday, not just now, but yes, in the future, but definitely tomorrow, right? So tomorrow, 3 o'clock, come to City Hall, have your voice heard, show up, wear yellow, okay? Grab your KC tenants yellow shirt. Parts, am I going to see you there? Three o'clock tomorrow, I'm gonna be there because this is That's an op- right. this is an opportunity. I just don't understand why we wouldn't want to explore a new definition for the mayor for city council. This makes national news to say, "Hey, HUD, this is a major city, and this definition is flawed." We're seeing it firsthand. I mean, if they don't like the uh, aggressive tactics, whatever, on its face, they're missing an opportunity. And let's be real, Hartzell, like in 2018, the mayor was on record in an interview saying we need affordable units at five to six hundred dollars a month, five to six hundred dollars a month. Like he knows this to be true. So why is it that he is trying to define affordability at eleven hundred dollars a month? The same mayor, right? Not five years later is changing his mind and deciding that like affordability is based on what developers need and not what tenants in Kansas City need. That ain't right. I will say this. As we still got more work to do, we also need to celebrate the wins. The fact that we're even having this conversation, the fact that you all have forced the issue from when you started till now that tenants are now at least in the conversation, you have forced yourselves in the rooms where it's happening. Yes, tenants are in the room and we're leading the conversations. And again, Thursday, three o'clock, we will be leading that conversation to ensure that our voices are heard, that we fight for our homes. Please show up at 3 p.m. on Thursday. Janae Manley, thank you, my friend. I appreciate you. You are a leader with KC Tenants. And tomorrow at 3 o'clock, we're going to show up and we're going to tell these folks what we're going to tell them. The rain is too damn high. Pistol shots ring out in a barroom night. Enter Betty Valentine from the upper hall. She sees a bartender in a pool of blood. Cries out, my God, they killed them all. Here comes the story of the hurricane. The man Authorities came to play for something that he never done. Put in a prison cell, but one time he could have been the champion of the world. Driving around Number one contender But a middleweight crowd 
the time before and the time before that In Madison, that's just the way things go If you're black, you might as well not show up on the street Unless you wanna draw the heat Alfred Bello had a partner and he had a rap for the cops Him and other Dexter Bradley were just now prowling around He said, I saw two men running out who looked like middleweights Jumped into a white car without a state place And Miss Patty Valentine just nodded her head Cops said, wait a minute, boys, this one's not dead So they took him to the infirmary And though this man could hardly see He told him he could identify the guilty Drunkards from the slums To the white folks and 
what? He was a revolutionary bum. As for the black folks, he was just a crazy nigga. No one doubted that he pulled the trigger. And though they could not produce the gun, the DA said he was the one who did the deed. And the old Algeria agreed. Was falsely tried. Crime was murder one. Guess who testified? Bello and Bradley, and they both all they lied. The newspapers, they all went along for the ride. How can the life of such a man be in the palm of some fool's hand? To see him obviously framed. Couldn't help but make me feel ashamed to live in a land where justice is again. Criminals in the coats and their ties I'm free to drink martinis And watch the sunrise While Ruben sits like Buddha In a ten-foot cell An innocent man In a living hell Yes, that's the story of the hurricane But it won't be over Till they clear his name And give him back the time he's done Put in a prison cell But one time He gonna be the champion of the world This is Democracy Now!, democracynow.org, The War and Peace Report. I'm Amy Goodman. For now, we stay in D.C. to speak with Tara Raghavir, director of KC Tenants, a grassroots tenant-led organization based in Kansas City. She's also the Homes Guarantee campaign director at People's Action. Tara, welcome back to Democracy Now! Explain why you're in D.C. and the level of pressure on people who are renting and rents increasing in a way we haven't seen in, like, 30 years. Thank you so much for having me back, Amy. We're in D.C. because the rent is too damn high. You heard Zani speak to this, but people across the country are being squeezed at the gas pump, at the grocery store. But the biggest expense for most American households is their cost of their housing. It's their rent. And rents are up 6.3 percent in the latest inflation figures. This is the biggest increase in rents in 35 years. Median rent across the country is over $2,000 for the first time ever, and people simply can't afford it. 
this rent inflation crisis is really sparing no one and no place. So we're in D.C. with tenants like Zani, a delegation of tenants who have been impacted by these rent hikes, to push the president to do everything in his legal authority to regulate the rent now. And can you explain uh, about pandemic protections being rolled back and how that affects people? So the eviction rates are back up to pre-pandemic levels, but really there's no rate of eviction that should be acceptable. We can't celebrate lower than normal rates and we can't celebrate returning back to normal. What we believe is every eviction is an act of violence. And what the administration did during the pandemic to alleviate the, the risk of eviction or uh, provide some relief to tenants was really a bailout to landlords. There was billions of dollars of federal assistance put out in the form of rental assistance that put the burden on tenants to apply, but they didn't get to keep that check, right? They had to turn that check over to their landlord. The abomination in all of this is that none of that public money came with strings attached, right? None of that actually built in any structural shift of power from landlords to tenants. So today, not only do we see evictions returning back to pre-pandemic levels, we also see a different type of eviction crisis playing out outside of the courtrooms as people simply can't afford their rent. See, when a landlord increases the rent beyond a place where a tenant can afford it, they don't have the choice to just scrape together another $200 and try to make it work. Often that is tantamount to an eviction and people are losing their homes because their rent is increasing or their lease is not getting renewed. If you can talk about, I mean, we know the rent that are going up in coastal cities like San Francisco and Los Angeles here in New York City. You're from Kansas City. Talk about it all over. In Kansas City, the rent is up 7.5%. City Hall defines affordable as $1,200 for a one-bedroom apartment, and that's based on an area median income of $86,000. I don't know a single person in Kansas City who's making $86,000 or who can afford a $1,200 apartment. So people are sent into the cycles that Zani described, where they're paying extra in their rent and they're having to cut back on other bills like their medication or their groceries. Unlike something like gas, rent is not an expense in your monthly budget that you can simply choose to cut back on, right? The alternative is homelessness. And to your point, homelessness is being criminalized in states like mine, like Missouri and all across the country. So people are trapped in a really violent cycle right now where they're either forced to uh, overdraft and cut back on meals and turn off the lights and sacrifice their humanity, or they're forced to the streets where they're criminalized for their poverty. I wanted to turn to um, two tenants, the safeguards to prevent evictions during the pandemic expire. Tenants across the country facing these rent increases of up to, what, 5 10 percent, in California, 10 percent. These are Los Angeles tenants Juan Garcia's neighbor of over 17 years, Ulysses Del Bosque, describing the burden of rising rents. Estoy, uh, sí, estoy preocupado. Yes, I am worried because they, well, they wanted to raise the rent, but unfortunately, I told them no, no. I did not accept that they raised it, but the other tenants did. They raised it by 10% and the tenants give them the rent. There are going to be more problems because of the evictions that are increasing as a result of rents starting to rise. And there is too much, too much inflation then it is impossible to be able to live quietly with everything 
that all the situations that there are that are happening. Tamaragavir, talk about the demographics of who is being priced out of their rentals. Disproportionately, the people who are impacted by rent hikes and by the type of rent gouging that we see corporate actors employing in the rental market are black and brown tenants, are poor and working class tenants. Black women are the people who are the most at risk of eviction during, quote, normal times. And these are accelerated. Um, these are accelerated conditions that are also having that disproportionate effect on the same communities. You know, there's recent research that tells us that institutional investors, private equity funds, real estate speculators target communities where there's actually higher percentage of black and brown neighborhoods and people who are renting their homes. And then they raise the rent, right? They raise the rent to levels that the people there can't afford and force them into this kind of eviction cycle. Can you talk about the Federal Housing Finance Agency, how it can help in fighting against rising rents? That's who you're meeting with in Washington. We had a very promising meeting with the director of the Federal Housing Finance Agency yesterday, Director Sandra Thompson, and we talked to her about the ways that FHFA, in its role as a regulator of Fannie and Freddie, can actually have a massive impact on regulating the rents and protecting tenants. So. As a regulator of Fannie and Freddie, FHFA has a role to play to actually add conditions to any federal financing. I'll give you an example. There's a corporate landlord called Starwood, where the CEO on a recent earnings call called inflation the gift that keeps on giving. And they've raked in record profits during the pandemic while they've been hiking rents across the country. Starwood has federally backed mortgages, right? So that's something within FHFA's purview. They could add conditions to the federal financing that many of these institutional investors rely on in order to rein in their rents. We could regulate rent increases, regulate re lease renewals. That's all within Sandra Thompson's purview as the director of the FHFA. And Congress, President Biden, what can they do? So Congress is set to pass the Inflation Reduction Act. It doesn't have anything to do with reducing the rent. In our view, the president and his team have been talking about, thinking about gas and many other elements in inflation, and they've really been neglecting rent. This is the elephant in the room. Rent is the largest expense for most American households, and it's a core driver of inflation. So even as the Inflation Reduction Act passes, for it not to include rent is a major red flag. We're calling on the president to do everything in his executive authority, to direct agency-level action, of course, to direct congressional action, and to use the power of the pulpit to call this crisis what it is, which is a national emergency, and to call out those actors in the private market that are actually rent gouging, using inflation as an excuse, but raising rents beyond the rate of inflation. Tara Raghavir, I want to thank you for being with us, director of KC Tenants, grassroots tenant-led organization in Kansas City, also the Homes Guarantee campaign director at People's Action, speaking to us uh, from Washington, D.C., where they are trying to meet with federal agencies and others to deal with the rising rents. Gather around, people, I'll tell you a story, an eight-year-long story of power and pride. British Lord Vesti and Vincent Lignari were opposite men on opposite sides. Vesti was fat with money and muscle. Beef was his business, broad was his door. Vincent was lean and spoke very little. 
He had no bank balance, hard dirt was his floor. From little things, big things grow. From little things, big things grow. The Ringy were working for nothing but rations. But once they had gathered the wealth of the land, daily the pressure got tighter and tighter. The Ringy decided they must make a stand. They picked up their swags and started off walking at Water Creek. They sat themselves down. Now it don't sound like much, but it sure got tongues talking. Back at the homestead, and then in the town, from little things, big things grow. From little things, big things grow. The vesting man said, "I'll double your wages." Eighteen quid a week you'll have in your hand. Vincent said, "Uh-uh, we're not talking about wages. We're sitting right here till we get our land." Vesting man roared, vesting man thundered. It don't stand the chance of a cinder and snow. Vincent said, "If we fall, others are rising from little things. Big things grow." From little things, big things grow. Then Vincent Lingyari boarded an airplane, landed in Sydney, big city of lights, and daily he went round softly speaking his story to all kinds of men from all walks of life. And Vincent sat down with big politicians. This affair, they told him, it's a matter of state. Let us sort it out. Why your people are hungry? Vincent said, No thanks. We know how to wait. From little things, big things grow. From little things, big things grow. Then Vincent Lingyari returned in an airplane back to his country once more to sit down. And he told his people, "Let the stars keep on turning. We have friends in the south, in the cities and towns." Eight years went by, eight long years of waiting, till one day a tall stranger appeared in the land. And he came with lawyers, and he came with great ceremony, and through Vincent's fingers poured a handful of sand. From little things, big things grow. From little things, big things grow. Was a story.
Vincent Lignari But this is the story Of something much more How power and privilege Can unmove a people Who know where they stand Stand in the law From little things Big things grow 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 Show.